This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Anif Baharudin and this is Gigi Wellplayed, BFM's video game show. This week, we're going to be talking about Diablo Immortal following its recent release here in this region. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Daryl Ong and Dashran Yohan. Alright, we're going to start off this week's news with a bit of drama that happened last week. Former EA CEO and current Unity CEO John Ricky Tello courted controversy earlier last week when he called developers who don't focus on microtransactions the biggest idiots. So, to provide some context, he was being interviewed by PocketGamer.biz about microtransactions and his exact quote relating to that statement was... Ferrari and some of the other high-end car manufacturers are still using clay and carving knives. It's a very small portion of the gaming industry that works that way and some of these people are my favourite people in the world to fight with. They are the most beautiful and pure, brilliant people. They are also some of the biggest idiots. Now, you can read the full interview online, but what he was essentially saying was that some developers are too focused and romantic in the idea of making games the quote-unquote traditional way that they are stubborn enough to not recognize the so-called importance of microtransactions in their business model and not implementing the concept early on in the creative process. Mm, Yeah, of course, his choice of words compounded the problem a lot more and has led to a lot of angry developers basically condemning him. Riccatelio has now apologized with a lengthy statement on Twitter clarifying his position on the matter. A part of it says... And I quote, what, what I was trying to say and clearly failed at saying is that there are better ways for game developers to get an early read on what players think of their game, to learn from their feedback. And if the developer wants to adjust the game based on this feedback, it's a choice to listen and act or just to listen. Again, both are very valid choices. So there you go. Microtransaction is indeed a very sensitive subject for gamers. And it's a given these days that some game devs and the public would be up in arms when they hear something silly like this. Using crude language and statements also do not help and make the matter even worse. Yeah, his apology would have come some nerves, I suppose. But it also possibly deepen the distrust that some gamers and even developers have towards bigger corporations. In fact, a lot of people are not really accepting the apology and just shrugging it off. So, what gives? That's right. All right, we move on to less contentious news. And after making the announcement earlier this February, Sony has confirmed its acquisition of Bungie. Makers of the Destiny franchise is now complete. This comes after everything has officially been formalized despite an earlier probe by the Federal Trade Commission in the US. Yeah, Sony posted a welcome message on its social media platform with Bungie returning the favor saying, We're proud to officially join the incredible team at PlayStation. We're excited for the future of our company and we are inspired to bring together players from all over the world to form lasting friendships and memories. Bungie is currently working on a project with NetEase, a publisher from China that invested $100 million in the company. Back in 2018. That's right. While they have never officially confirmed what they're working on, rumor has it that they might be working on a mobile shooter that's set in the Destiny universe. We'll see whether that is indeed true. 
and how their official relationship with Sony will pan out in the future. Yeah, we'll see indeed. Moving on, after the announcement of the latest skate game, Skate 4, the developer of Full Circle and publisher EA has revealed that this latest iteration of the game will be a live service free-to-play game. The news was revealed by the developers in a series called The Boardroom. The series will be their way of sharing the updates of the development of the game with fans. And apart from the announcement of the model, they also revealed that the game will be available on all platforms and will include cross-play and cross-progression. That means that you will be able to play against your friends even if they play on different platforms. Mm, you'll be also be able to transfer your progress throughout all versions of Skate, making the experience more seamless and cohesive across all versions of the game. What they did not reveal was the release date though, but expect that news in future versions of the boardroom. Last but not least, just a bit more update on CD Projekt Red and the fallout from the now infamous Cyberpunk 2077. The game of course will now live in infamy after the debacle that happened during its release in late 2020. In fact, you could argue that CD Projekt Red is still trying to recover from that two years later. Mm. And the fallout can be seen in the company's share value. According to Business Insider Poland, the disastrous launch has plummeted their share by over 75%. CD Projekt Red was once the most valuable game company in Europe with around £7.1 billion in value. Now the company's share is worth £1.7 billion. Wow. Wow, a huge drop indeed. But despite the drop, they still remain one of Poland's most valuable companies. But their current value was last experienced by the company in 2017. With this drop in share value, Techland, developer of the Dying Light series that's also based in Poland, now has a higher share value of £1.88 billion. That value is expected to increase following the release of Dying Light 2, Stay Human, earlier this year. Mm, well, that's unfortunate and goes to show that how a bad release can have a huge repercussion, not only in the reputation of the company, but also its share value. That's it for this week's GG Well Played News. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Daryl and Deshran. Diablo Immortal, a game that was already controversial the minute it was announced years ago. Of course, we've heard and spoken about some of the microtransaction issues surrounding the game now that it has been released on the international market. But what does a hardcore Diablo fan here think of the game? Joining me in this episode is Najman Maliki. He's a huge Diablo fan and unlike others, he was actually looking forward to the release of the game. Now that it's finally reached our shores, I speak to him to hear his thoughts. So I'm a, I've been a fan since Diablo 2 came out when I was a little boy and I've been playing the Diablo titles ever since until even before Diablo Immortal I still keep up with Diablo 2 Resurrected and Diablo 3. But yeah, so when it uh, got launched in our region which is around 8th of July, uh, immediately downloaded it that night and I played it when I can. Just a small note in case you guys are thinking about playing once you download the game onto your phone, there's still about 20 gigs worth of assets to be downloaded, That so that takes a while. So yeah, uh, do note that. But in terms of the gameplay itself, in terms of the game and how it plays, I would easily say um, anyone who starts, who picks up the game, you, got, you guys are going to have a good 10 to 15 hours um, if you are a Diablo fan. 
definitely. So it's a good hack and slash for the first 10-15 hours, um, or maybe even slightly more than that. I've been playing around, uh, yeah, about 15 hours or so for now, and I would say it's a extremely well polished looking game. The control feels great for a, a mobile version game. So I played it. Uh, you you can actually play it on your your phone, your phone using a controller if you want to, or even your PC. There's a PC version as well. Um, so yeah, everything feels snappy, feels great. There's a slight downside with the server connections. I think it's still um, wonky that here and there. Sometimes I can play for one hour straight without any disconnection. Sometimes it disconnects every five minutes. But all in all, gameplay-wise, it's a really, really good game. Yeah, that's my like immediate impression of the game. So it does mm. live up to the, I guess, the main version or the the console or the PC version of Diablo in terms of in terms of gameplay. Yeah, definitely. I I would actually say um, even at some point slightly better because the engine is a, clearly it's a it's a younger, um, better engine that runs the game. And if you are used to playing. Diablo 2 or Diablo 3 whereby your character don't have any personalization to it you don't actually personalize your character's face and stuff this game feels a lot better it looks a lot better um but yeah uh it's what you might even expect in Diablo 4 actually that's what people are saying and I I I do feel that that's quite true Um, gameplay wise, right? Not the, not the yeah, other the, things, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, the 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 game <laughs> gameplay and the looks. Yes. Ah, uh, I see. All right. So that's great. Uh, but I mean, obviously, Najman, I think you're a very well informed gamer. Obviously, um, as much as you're a huge Diablo fan, I know you are also you are, you also have your own, I guess, opinions and thoughts on on microtransactions, right? So, um, apart from I guess you know wanting to discover for yourself what the game is like, uh, are you not like I guess deterred or disturbed by the the controversy surrounding the microtransactions and especially when you said just now that the game is only good for 10 to 15 hours meaning that you're I assume alluding to the fact that after that uh, the end game is where the game becomes a bit more problematic right yeah so um okay so I'm just going to explain this as if everyone doesn't know what the end game for a Diablo game is um a Diablo game like I would say for Diablo 2 and Diablo 3 definitely The end game is actually after you've finished the main campaign. And the main campaign can take you a while. Can take you up to like 30 hours. Even on Diablo Immortal, can take you up to 30 hours to complete the main campaign. And the storyline, the lore is all great on Diablo Immortal as well. But the end game starts when you are maxed out at your levels, not your equipment, right? Your level is uh, at level 70, you're building up your... Secondary leveling system, which is what they call paragons. You're building up your paragon levels and stuff like that. You're playing with your friends. You're playing either with your friends or with strangers. You're joining uh, a PVE situations or you're playing PVP, player versus player situations, where you fight other players. That is the true end game for any Diablo content, at least in the modern times. You're looking at Diablo 2, Diablo 3, even Diablo 4 in the future. That's what people are looking forward to. And in Diablo Immortal, that's where I guess the the facade starts to like disappear, and then you get to see the ugly truth behind the curtain. Mm. And for for gamers who are not aware of these problems, maybe you can help describe to them why why you know it has gained this much controversy. Right. So if you are a player, right? So Hanif, for example, we are playing this game together. Um, so 
in the end game, when I mentioned just now the PVEs and the PVPs, I might fight you or I might race against you, right? As a as a as an end game player. So level wise, we might be on the same level. Um, might be slightly different, but in terms of equipments, in terms of drops, and Diablo is this kind of game. It's a hack and slash, loot and grab everything you get kind of game where you actually kill off a lot of monsters to get the best items possible. Your loot, if you are a paying player, will be significantly different from mine. And this this is, on paper, might look like, okay, maybe Hanif paid a bit more, so he deserves a bit more. But when you look at the time that Hanif has to spend versus well, Najman, who is the free-to-play player, have to spend, that suddenly, the logic suddenly um, doesn't track, right? So the difference here is you're looking at at least five to ten times difference. What I'm saying here is like, if I were to play, I'm say I'm a free-playing player and Hanif, you're a paying player, I might play for an hour, whereas you just need like 10 minutes to cover what I did in an hour. You will get the exact same amount of items and, and experience in 10 minutes versus my one-hour playthrough. So in 10 hours, I, if I, I were to play for 10 hours, it'll just take you like maybe uh, at most two hours to complete the amount of experience that I've covered in the 10 hours. So that, that means when we go to PVPs again, we go to another round of PVEs, you are going to be extremely powerful. If I were to fight you, I can't even damage you. And if you were to fight me, it'll just take you one hit to kill my character off. And as a player who expects that the game is going to be free to play, it just will just turn me off right off the bat. And I think the worst part is here, right? So if I were to pay, say, 20 ringgit in the game. So I paid the first, say, four ringgit here, four ringgit there. Maybe I've paid a total of 20 ringgit. My character would still be significantly weaker than your character because you've paid, say, 2,000 ringgit. And now what do I do with my 20 ringgit? I feel super cheated because I paid like 20 ringgit of my hard-earned money and I still can't beat you. And that's the thing, right? In Diablo Immortal, you can pay for power. Once you start paying, you get more power. The more you pay, the more powerful you get. And this is where the arguments, the anger, the bad reviews comes in. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, um, the thing is, we've seen this from a mile away, right? I mean, the minute they announced that they're going to make a Diablo game for the mobile platform, you immediately know that it's going to be laced with microtransaction. That one is a given. But mm-hmm. it's just the manner in which they've been doing it that's a bit more problematic, right? So, I, I, I really like the franchise. So, I really follow... I really follow a lot of YouTubers, a lot of content creators who actually create content for Diablo, the franchise. So top players like Woody Joe, Rise and Tracks, I follow them on a daily basis, on a weekly basis on whatever content that they create. So these are the people who actually were really hyping the game up because they were a part of the Alpha and Beta tester group. And the irony is that the, the beta version of the game, the closed beta version of the game, is extremely good and have zero, I mean, I won't say zero, they, they do have microtransactions, but the microtransactions are not 
bad. It's mostly quality of life improvements. Things like, oh, if you pay for this, then it gets easier for you to, you know, store more items or your character will look better rather than it affects the whole gameplay as a whole. So I think when people like this stops playing, so just for like your information, a lot of like world-class players who are actually top players for the franchise have stopped playing the game. And I, I think that that just speaks volume. Like when these extremely influential content creators in the franchise stops playing the game, you know that the game is extremely broken. So yeah. That was Najiban Maliki sharing his thoughts on the much maligned Diablo Immortal. Coming up next, he's going to share his opinions on the state of microtransactions, especially in free-to-play games. We're going to make way for some messages. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Wallplayed on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, listening to Gigi Well Played, I'm your host Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show this week is Najman Maliki. He has played Diablo Immortal and we've heard his thoughts and opinions on the game and its controversial and game content. Now we're going to move slightly away from that game for a bit to talk about microtransactions and their presence in games. Are they really necessary, especially if you take into factor how expensive the cost of making games can be these days and how developers have to continuously support and update certain games for years? Najman shares his thoughts on the matter. Yeah, I think I okay. I'm by training. I'm a developer. I'm a programmer by 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 trade. So <clears throat> I do understand why you would wanna create these transactions, right? You have to pay the developers with something with, with money, right? So you gotta make money to pay them money. But I think there's a line as well. Um, and I think the current state of of microtransactions in games are, are getting really way out of hand. It's mostly because I think <coughs> the executives are really enjoying the amount of money that they are they are they are raking off these microtransactions. And I think, as you mentioned as well, most players are are okay with it, right? Most players are okay with it. It's just I think the top twenty percent who are struggling with it because they can't, you know beat the whales who are spending like upwards of 10,000 US dollars on a game. So I think it gets very wonky when you look at it as 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 just that particular perspective. And I think this is the perspective of most big executives. So I think recently the CEO of Unity, um, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not like butcher his name, John Ricitillo. Um, anyways, he said that if, if you're a developer and you're not looking at creating microtransactions it's brilliant you are pure you are beautiful but you are also some of the biggest idiots so um, I think big executives like this creating this kind of mindsets is, is really destructive for the whole for the whole community there, there is a way to actually promote this You've seen the model work in other games. You've seen the model work even if in mobile games, even in PC games, right? Dota 2, for example, there's a lot of microtransactions. It works. People are not angry. People are actually giving more money. Um, and But it's not predatory. I think that's the main word that you mentioned just now, predatory. It's not, it doesn't actually hurt the gameplay itself. It doesn't actually prey on the people who feel like, oh no, I really cannot be on par with my peers or at least the people that I play with. So I need to spend a lot more. I think that's the worst part. Yeah. 
uh, following up on that, I mean, you, apart from Diablo, you also play Dota. Yeah, and you actually have paid for Dota as well, right? So, yeah, just help me understand the mindset of people who actually pay for, you know, for these things, you know, for cosmetics and for, you know, in, in the free-to-play game, you know, what, what makes you want to actually pay, you know, for these games that are essentially free-to-play? Like, for example, Dota. Dota is a good example of a game that gameplay-wise has already, you know, nailed its formula. And people can just play it for free. But why Why would you want to pay? Beyond just, I guess, supporting the developer, which is, I guess, pretty important as well. But apart from that, you know, do, do yeah, why do people pay? Are those cosmetic enhancements that important in, I guess, I guess, shaping your experience playing the game? Yeah, so, okay. Let me start off with 90% of the people who act, I believe pay for the microtransactions in games like Dota are not there to support the developers. I think that's the few... Honeys of the world and the Najmans of the world. But yeah, um, in, in experience-wise, when you play the game, when you play games like Dota, when you play games like Mobile Legends, Genshin Impact, Diablo even for that matter, you're looking at the same content over and over again. So every, every night you might play an hour. You might play an hour every night for the next few months, years, weeks, whatever. I've played more than 4,000 hours of Dota. That's a lot of hours. But within that amount, I get bored. So like every now and then, you know, you're looking at the same things. So once I can get something that makes it feel slightly different, I would like that. And this is the main thing, right, about anything in this world. Even looking at like phones, Android phones, iOS phones, there's an ability for you to personalize your phone. Even iOS 16, the latest version of iOS, it allows you to personalize the homepage and stuff like that. That essentially is what, for me, is the biggest hook right i want to personalize my character so i've i've played this particular bear looking like character my bear have a helmet a golden helmet whereas yours don't you might feel like yours look cool i feel like obviously mine looks the best and that personalization that customization makes me feel great about my character and i don't mind i do feel like it enhances my experience of the game it doesn't actually change my gameplay. It doesn't make me better. I might still lose a, a crazy amount of times, but still, I feel good about looking at my personalized model, character models. And I think, I think customizations like that makes you feel very comfortable and very happy. And on top of that, I think you can also, on Dota at least, you can also spread your, if you pay a bit more, you can also share whatever you have with your team. So your team members, your your base might look different, your towers might look different because of the money that you spend. And that just sense of camaraderie is is awesome. So when I play with other people and suddenly like, oh, I see my tower is a bit different. I see my pet, my career looks a bit different. It's because like I've paid for this and everyone can, someone paid for this in my team and now we all can enjoy that. That feels really nice. Huh? And I think that's that's what, microtransactions in terms of cosmetics can can uh, affect you. That's how you can feel better with paying for these things even though <laughs> you're not actually making your character a lot better or winning any, any games. <laughs> and that's the difference between, I guess, pay-to-win model and also uh, the kind of, I guess, quote-unquote accepted microtransactions, right? I mean, as long as it's cosmetic, as long as it's just aesthetics, it's fine because at the end of the day, it doesn't change... Your, your gameplay experience, right? It doesn't make it doesn't give you an advantage 
uh, against others, right? So that's that's quote unquote acceptable. But yeah, I mean, going back to you quoted um, the recent uh, quote by the Unity CEO uh, saying that you know I guess developers have to start thinking about about uh, microtransactions, and if they don't, they're quote unquote they're idiots. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, what what did you make of of that kind of mentality, especially in this coming? I mean, especially coming from a perspective of of a, you know gamer and also a, a, a programmer, right? I think a lot of people have spoken about the fact that you know making games these days are not are not as cheap anymore. Hence the reason why I guess from an industry perspective, as much as it's going to be a bit sacrilegious to say this, you can see why I guess you know developers have started thinking about you know microtransactions, making more money out of you know the games that they sell. Um, but but surely surely I guess you know there must be quote unquote a better way or I don't know I mean what what are your thoughts on 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 this you know considering that I think you because you know you you're a gamer and at the same time you're also a programmer you maybe you can see both sides of the argument one way or another especially yeah taking the fact that a lot of like you know other you know things happening within the industry that that, that, that we have to admit like the fact that I guess you know games you know especially games these days you know they're not as simple as games back then right. Uh, and making games these days are not as cheap. So yeah, can we actually solve this impasse? You know, and satisfy both parties. <laughs> mm, yeah, I see. So for me, um, there is logic. Uh, sadly, there is logic in what he mentioned. Um, basically, you have to learn and know how to make more money. But also, that feels very um, off-putting coming from him because he's at the top of the food chain, right? He's at the uh, top of the pyramid. He actually makes a lot more money than any developers in the company. Most of the time, that's what happens when you're the CEO and executives, uh, for example, take CD Projekt Red. The developers who actually get the brunt of the heat actually don't make those decisions to actually release the game earlier. Diablo Immortal is the same issue as well. The developers who get the brunt of the heat actually do not decide for the microtransactions to be there. As you can see in the public, in the closed beta, it wasn't there or it wasn't as rampant. So the sad part about that statement for me is that they were addressed to developers, whereas the decisions, especially when it comes to AAA titles, are usually driven by the executives rather than the developers. That's one thing that I really have like a beef with that particular statement. The second bit is that there's obviously better ways, right? So you can always see smaller companies who does things like this, who basically whenever... So obviously you need to pay your developers. How do you make more money if you've launched your game, like Dota have launched it more than 10 years ago, and these people have only paid once, for example. Like Diablo 3 is a great example. You pay once, more than 10 years ago, and you expect your developers to churn out more content. Where are they going to get their pay from, right? And you can look at other games, games like Path of Exile. So studios like Grinding Game Studios have actually created a great model where whenever you want to release a new thing that essentially whenever you want to make more money, you want to get more money, people to pay for the money, you can actually tie it with a really good addition to the game. So yeah, I know I'm saying essentially buy another DLC. But that, in my personal view, is a lot better than doing like these predatory microtransactions. Either that or sell cosmetics rather than, you know, thinking of it in a very narrow mindset, which is make sure that you get the most amount of money from creating this psychological uh, FOMO feeling to make sure that the players 
pay as much and especially if you know that you are preying on younger adults or even teenagers and kids, right? That's the worst part because these people know actually that kids feel a lot of remorse. Teenagers feel a lot of pressure when they are amongst peers. So create this kind of feeling, create this kind of blockage. They definitely will you know, get their parents to pay for it, which is which is just ridiculous, which is just toxic. I, I really hate that kind of statement coming from such a person who will create those ripples in the in the community. There's a, there's a lot better ways of doing it. Yeah, but but is there an actual worry that, you know, sooner or later, even, you know, the most famous and the most ardent of and the most principled of AAA developers out there might have to eventually succumb to uh, I guess, you know, creating one way or another a form of microtransaction in their games just so that they can survive. Okay, so I this is my own personal view, <laughs> of course. But for me, personally, I don't think uh, it's a viable situation. It's a viable thing to to run for a long term, for the long term period. If you look at the reviews for uh, uh, Diablo Immortal, even on like Google Play Store, I believe it's like 3.7 stars last I checked it. And if you just read the latest comments, a lot of people are actually updating their reviews saying that, oh, okay, now I understand what you mean by the glass ceiling and they are retracting their reviews and it's it's almost immediate. So just wait for about a week or two and then you can see the 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 whiplash, the, the, the exodus of players and stuff like that. So when that happens, developers or rather the company itself feels the, the heat of players not no longer spending on the game right so because of that just because of that i feel like business wise is that it doesn't make sense for companies to actually keep to this particular um business model and i think i have slightly less i i would say i have a bit more hope that this doesn't actually become the norm in the future but yeah we really have to oh, i hate saying this but vote with our wallets right not buy into the kind of um, business models that, that you're seeing now. So yeah, I have hope. I don't think this will continue. Okay. Is there, is there a way back for Diablo Immortal, you think, considering the circumstances? Do you think the game can redeem itself and eventually, I guess, stay in the market? Ooh. <laughs> I want to say yes. I want to say yes. So basically, their closed beta, they had a really good amount of feedback. Um... Essentially, what they did was everything that they're doing now, but on like, like a lot smaller scale. The game is so instead of Hanif playing um, ten minutes and Najman have to play an hour to catch up to Hanif, Hanif now have to play like thirty minutes and Najman have to spend an hour. So the gap is not that huge, right? So technically speaking, they can still get their income from the people who you know don't have the time. They just wanna skip to getting more power uh, and have the money to do so whereas the people who actually have the time can actually just play alongside the people who don't have the time so uh, I think they can actually revert to that and also you've seen um, Blizzard recover from it from from something bad like this before um, with even Diablo 3 when they launched the real uh, money auction house they did a a lot of boo-boos in at the start of the launch of Diablo 3 um, but they retracted and I think uh, about a year after the game got released uh, a lot of people a lot of things have been fixed and it became actually a good game after about a year so I think Diablo Immortal can actually get there as well but if 
sentiments don't change if uh, things don't change as fast they might actually lose considerable amount of players that these amount of players just don't come back ever so yeah that's that too You're tuned in to GG Well Played and that was Najib Al-Maliki sharing his impressions of Diablo Immortal as well as the industry's relationship with microtransactions. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and you can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share thoughts and the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.